Empire of the Suns. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Hi friend, basketball is back. I get to watch NBA basketball in two hours. I'm excited. You excited? Did you sign a contract extension before this year like the TNT crew? Like no. some basketball players? That made me happy. Like not only that they're getting paid because I remember there was like some weird rumor report thing that Charles Barkley was getting interest oh, from like yeah. the Gulf Saudi Arabia League and I was like Chuck finessing like Calipari and all those guys do for his extension. Oh, I love to see it. And sure enough, here it comes. And he all did, of them too. And he did the morally correct thing and the thing that will like not send him into the abyss in my life where I'm I don't pay attention to that golf league. I don't care. I hate that we are going to be alive probably for when those four are not together anymore. I hate the fact that we're going to like come and it's going to be Dwayne Wade or Jamal Crawford or someone else. And that's the thing. So you've tossed another person in there and it's great still, yeah. but it's just not the same. And I'm really, I know everyone mentions Chuck, but even like the Jet or Shaq or Ernie, obviously. Oh, man. Well, I, I will say like the Tuesday or was it the Tuesdays and they flip Thursdays? The other crew. They're great. They're really good. Candace Parker's amazing. Candace Left Parker's Coast's amazing. Great. Left Coast's really good. Jamal Crawford now kind of replaces. Is Jamal on the main show now? He is. No, but he is signed to them. So like he's yeah. going to be there every Tuesday now, I believe. Yeah. Jamal's great, too. So they got they got some people, but I think the Chuck, Shaq, Ernie, Kenny thing, from a pure entertainment standpoint, doesn't matter what their takes are. Chemistry standpoint, too. Chemistry I could standpoint. Talk, listen to them talk for two. I'm mad that we're podcasting right now. They're on for two and a half hours before the game, and I'm mad that we're missing the first hour right now. I'm actively upset. Just shut your laptop and leave. But that's the thing when you're busy, bud. You just gotta power through, do your job. Things that are happening. One of the reasons why I'm busy huh, <laughs> is that Cam Johnson did not get an extension. This is something that we talked about a bit last week, and I think you and I both landed on a similar we'll see spectrum of, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, he should start. But the ownership situation is what it is right now. Cam unprompted brought up how it's extremely interesting to go through negotiations when the Suns' ownership doesn't uh, is uncertain right now is how he described it. And it's one of those it's one of those things where I'm choosing not to read a ton into it just because I'm big on past examples and, and all that kind of stuff. And I just don't have a reference point for how these types of things go when the team is uh, going through a for sale process. At the same time, Kevin, they are putting this guy in the starting lineup and caused the whole Jay Crowder thing to kind of happen partially because of putting Cam Johnson in the starting lineup. And that is going to give him an opportunity to make himself worth even more money. And part of the reason why you put him in the starting lineup is because you believe in him so much. If you don't believe in him, why don't you believe in him enough to pay him what he wants? And you and I were looking at numbers, I guess somewhere around 15 to $20 million a year. Um, last uh, off season or the off season, I guess I should phrase it as. Somewhere in the range of 18 to 20 is what I thought made sense. I'm guessing he didn't get offered that or they couldn't come to an agreement on something like that. And it is 
It's another thing, Kevin. They got to stop having things. What are yeah. your thoughts on this? I think this one is unique for a lot of different reasons, and I honestly don't know how much it does say anything about the ownership situation. Um, I think economically, just where we're at, and you're starting to see these big contracts show up where there's new TV money. Mikel was probably the year before where the TV money blowing up the salary cap wasn't really thought of, and it's just like, all right, and they got a great deal, and they took it. And maybe he was just like, I want to stay with the Suns forever. But there was a legitimate chance if Cam signed a deal this year, I think it could have been more than Mikel, because Mikel's what, 21, 22 million a year? Um, or at, he's four at for 90. Four for 90, the math. DeAndre Hunter, for reference, got four for 95. So that's, Mikel Bridges is a much better player than DeAndre Hunter. Everyone agrees, but that's the inflation. That's that the good. That's about. the contract that popped up late yesterday, well after that deadline. And it's like, well, if DeAndre Hunter's getting that, um, is Cam getting 100? Is Cam, let's say Cam's getting that. That's a lot. It's a lot. And I'm not saying he's not worth it because, like, elite shooters um, get paid like that and he's also does other stuff and that's why they want him to start so I, I wouldn't even say that number is outrageous for DeAndre Hunter I think it would be maybe outrageous if you said Cam got 100 because then you're just the triple digits Jordan Poole got 140 and that seemed like a lot blah 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 so the economics matter but here's the thing that is on my mind. I don't know why it popped in my head yesterday, but of reasons not to sign him if you're the Suns to something like pushing 100 is, again, they didn't want to bid against themselves, and I think the McKell deal, again, was super great value even at the time. So you just come to agreement and he signs it. Uh, Cam Johnson... Going into restricted free agency, you go look at historically guys who are not top three on their team, guys who are role players, who have offers out there that get blo- that just are ridiculous for role players. I just, there's not a lot of history for that. There's like JJ Redick, who was like the 10th best scorer on his Magic team a year after the NBA Finals run um jeremy lynn wasn't matched once when he was uh yeah. signed with the rockets to, away from the knicks to and quick, then yeah to quickly jump in it's two things that you're talking about one which teams are in a position to pay him this summer right and two which of those teams is willing to pay him perhaps north of 18 19 million dollars a year for someone who is ultimately when you talk about a big three of a team he's probably not one of those three guys probably yeah, yeah. not I'm not ruling it out because he has a ton of potential left in his game. Are you willing to pay for the, okay, this is the epitome of a glue guy. Maybe he can average 15, 18 points per game at one point of his career. We get awesome shooting. We get a guy who's always in the right spot, super smart player. Who is willing to pay for that? And this is a situation where you go back to DeAndre again, and it was just like, go, go get the offer. And yeah. he, he got the offer, but then the Suns quickly matched, and guess what? They saved a bit of money. And then it goes back to my whole point on DeAndre again. It's like, the only reason you're doing this to save money is because of the luxury tax bill. But it, conceivably, that makes sense. And yeah. there are other reasons, but those don't make sense. So we're going to go to the stuff that makes sense. 
Uh, but then your other point also is... Um, if you Ooh. might make a big trade... What's going on in Brooklyn? What's going on in Brooklyn? Mm. Would you rather one of your assets, he's there, would you rather lock him into a contract that you that fit your salary cap of the future? That'd be great for you. But if a trade comes up and another team has the ability to also sign an extension or sign him next offseason when he's a restricted free agent to their terms that fits their specific luxury tax situation or I guess I shouldn't say luxury tax cap situation um there's value in not doing anything trading him he's the same player and letting a new team figure that out with him um where were we at in the latest kevin durant fizzling of any talks of that was oh cam johnson they didn't want to get rid of him but uh the nuts wanted him apparently so I see there's value in, like, hey, we don't need to sign them long-term. Um, just in general, how often do teams trade for someone who's on a super, like, four years down the road and feel good about it? Mm-hmm. So, just throwing that out there. That's just me. That's The Suns had a couple good reasons not to do it and not to oversell, and if they did really offer or overpay, and if they did really offer four years, 72, and say, all right, well, go get more next summer. We'll decide whether to match. Not the worst thing. To go back to trying to figure out what makes sense and what doesn't make sense, this is the final nail in the coffin for me to what many people have thought already is happening right now in terms of looking at the end of the 2021 season, the finals run, what made sense the most for the way that they have gone about their roster construction. I am under the firm belief in just my sole opinion with zero reporting on this at all, that they are fully, fully, fully in belief that they are going to be able to trade for a star. And they have been now for a year or a year and a half. And they're just waiting. Keep waiting, I guess. Yeah. After Kevin Durant. And I also think that, that that belief has to come with more belief that that is going to be your best chance at a championship. That instead of doing little, <clears throat> like they got a dollar, right? They got a dollar and change. Instead of using eight cents on the taxpayer MLE, instead of using another 14 cents on this, instead of spending 37 cents of it on Eric Gordon, which would have been like a first round pick and whatever, right? They're saving that whole dollar. And they're going to use 80, 85, 90 cents or all of it to go get that guy. And they believe that is going to be their best chance at a championship. That's where I've landed. I'm kind of just done thinking about it and looking at the way they're doing stuff and just going to keep emptying the clip on the same exact points over and over again. But in terms of the why behind all of this and why they're doing it, it also has to do with the fact that they really believe in their team right now. Obviously, that goes without saying. But I also think in terms of the way James Jones always talks about it, we explore every option in terms of upgrading our team. I believe that is the number one thing on their list, and they're just going to be patient and wait for it. And I guess if it doesn't happen when Chris Paul is Chris Paul still, then so be it. But that clock has already started ticking. That's the thing, too. It's like this team has like kind of gone for it, but also they haven't jeopardized like the future 
and they're just going to keep churning. Like, if Chris Paul looks bad this year, yeah, I think they would just dump him. Like, I think James Jones isn't, like, he's super loyal, and he wants to create this culture, and I'm sure he sees the value, but same thing with Ricky Rubio. We thought he was so good, and Aaron Baines and those guys, and then you move on if you can get better. And so I think the same with Cam, where you bring in good guys, and even DA, where they fit this mindset of, and the culture's strong enough where it's like, all right, I didn't get my contract. I'm still going to go out there and perform. It's not a big deal. And they're just those types of guys who they're going to play the same either way to me. And and that's why it also doesn't, like campaign's not going to go get ticked off. Two last things I had on this. The first one is what you just talked about. I have zero doubt in my mind that Cam Johnson is going to be able to play the same way he did if he would have got paid. He is a very, he's not even smart. He's just wise. You know the people that you talk to and you, you don't even want to say they're well-spoken spoke, or smart because you're diminishing what they actually are yeah. talking when they're speaking, how you take it in. He's a wise dude. That's the first thing everyone, when they talk about Cam, I think Monty, DA, Mikel in the last few days all said it when they started their answer with him. Like He's smart. Just a smart guy. Also, he's a, what's his major... Yeah, it's, it's thesis or whatever. Business I don't know. admin or Gotta something. Ask him about it. Ask him about so it. So he understands, time. I think. He understands a, a lot. Mikel said today on on Tuesday that Cam kind of just ran him through, like how you would explain it in thirty seconds to any one of your friends. Just yeah, it's <laughs> this and this, and then there's this and that, and no deal. Everyone knows listening to this, but just reiterate, he absolutely wants to be here. He did not speak at all like someone today who was had their slight, the slightest of changes in how they feel about being here by these negotiations. He did bring up that some of it had to do with the ownership situation. That's basically what he said. Unprompted, he said it's extremely interesting <laughs> to go through negotiations when the ownership situation is uncertain. And I already said that, but to reinforce it for the second point I wanted to bring up, which is to go back to last week's episode, I just don't understand why why we're not talking enough about the luxury tax thing. Everyone loves talking about trades and picks and salaries and who deserves what. And the luxury tax point is where it starts getting boring, I guess. I'm not really sure. But guess what? If you're bored by that, get ready for me to talk about it for the next two minutes. <laughs> the Suns are currently in a position where their luxury tax bill is just under $35 million. We're at that Kelly Oubre point, a far less extreme. You guys will remember the infamous example of the Warriors basically paid an extra $70 million for Kelly Oubre or whatever because their luxury tax penalties were so insane. If you're wondering about the taxpayer MLE thing still, well, that... Luxury tax bill would have gone up another whatever, seven, ten, fifteen million dollars. I don't know the exact figures necessarily. On top of, hey, you're paying that guy that money too. You're paying yeah. twice essentially. That's what really screws you with the luxury tax and what we're looking at with extreme examples. But something that I had to point out and, and write this thing on that I that's up on the site right now is that the timing of this ownership change is crazy in terms of what it in terms of where we're at with the Suns, because they've got this luxury tax bill this season, which they're almost certainly going to pay. I can't imagine with the depth on the team that they're going to trade Dario Sarge and Landry Shamit for pennies to get under it because they don't have anyone to replace them. That that would not be wise. Um, <clears throat> but when looking at this, beyond next season, next season is when Cam Johnson's extension would kick in and would kick this number up even further. And then two years from now, that is when Devin Booker's max contract turns into a super max. 
Chris Paul's contract is partially guaranteed for next season and then the season after that when Booker two seasons from now Booker will be on a supermax Cam Johnson will be in year two of his extension Mikel Bridges and DeAndre will be in year three of their extension and then Chris Paul will be in the final year of his deal that is completely not guaranteed even if Chris Paul's contract just get they, they get rid of him they they are still going to be in a position where they're probably a luxury tax team, and now it's their now that'll be their third year, and if they have one more year in the next two seasons, it's four of the five years to be a repeater, which is when the penalties, the math gets even more crazy, and you're looking at what the Warriors are doing right now, <laughs> which is paying 170 this year. They're I just believe. eating it. They're just eating it. And why this is so important to the current situation right now with the ownership is that I broke. Luxury tax paying teams into three sections in the column. Basically, there is one, which is the Wild West, where, as I wrote, I just assume money grows on trees in Jeff, not Jeff Bezos, Jeff Ballmer's uh, backyard, size backyard. Steve? Joe Lakeup, Steve Ballmer. <laughs> okay. They have trees where money grows, because I can't explain what else is going on here. It's, it's crazy. So to be clear, from 2012 to 2020, the luxury tax has been in place since 01. Lockout happens in 98. They come ac- upon this agreement for the luxury tax. From 2012 to 2010, a team's luxury tax bill reaching at least $40 million, it only happened six times. So we weren't really operating in this world of extremes that we are in right now, where both the Nets and the Warriors two years ago topped $100 million for their bill. That's taxes. That's not, yeah. Taxes, not even their salaries. That's their salaries. Their salaries on top of that, you can imagine, because the... The Warriors' salaries next year are going to be 240 or something, and the cap is like 150 or whatever, 120 right now. It's 150, yeah. The luxury tax no. line, they're almost 100 over it oh. as it is. Yeah. The Nets built a super team. They traded James Harden, and that helped, but they're still a luxury tax team, and they're projected to pay around $100 million again this year for the third straight year. The Warriors kept their team together, and then they figured out that way salary-wise to acquire a big salary like D'Angelo Russell. That did not go very well. They did it again with Andy Wiggins. That went much better. But now they have those four guys paid. Well, we have to pay those four guys. Oh, what's that? Jordan Poole is a future all-star probably. We have to pay him $140 million now, and we have to extend Wiggins as well. $268 million is what their tax bill could hit to for next season. That's just season. taxes. Again, that is just taxes. <laughs> I think I think that Mark's had it at they're, they'll be paying over five hundred million just for their roster, something like that. Then there's the Clippers. That's Steve Ballmer, also rich guy. If you remember the Robert Covington Norman Powell trade and looking at it and it not making sense and thinking, well, the Clippers got a steal here. They got two rotation players at the very least. I think Norman Powell's a starter in this league at, at this point. I think he's really good. They gave up Eric Bledsoe expiring contract, Justice Winslow expiring contract, Keon Johnson, who was a 2021 first, late first round pick who hasn't developed a ton of excitement at this point, and then I believe a second round pick or something like that. You remember looking at that and being like, oh, the Portland just wants to get off money, whatever, but the Clippers got a steal. Well, the steal they got is paying all this money because Norman <laughs> Powell is now in the second year of a five-year $90 million deal. Covington was an expiring contract. Guess what? Robert, here's two years, $24 million. He got just more, and he got hurt, too. Because we, we don't care, and we will keep trading for these guys and then paying them as a way to avoid this system and avoid using for agency. They'll just keep trading for guys. $83 million was their bill last year, but because of these extensions and all their stuff kicking in even more, they're at $144 million this year. I believe Zubach got a new deal this year as well yeah. that I didn't necessarily mention. So to sum all of this up, this word vomit of tax since 01 
the biggest luxury tax bill for the league. So that's every team's luxury tax bill combined into one. It was $173 million in 03. So they were two <laughs> years into this. Everyone paid too much money. They're like, oh, we're never doing this again. And then it didn't really reach nine figures for a while. It was in and out of there. But mostly it's not that much. Last year, it was $481 million. So we are now in this wild west where you can have these owners who, again, money grows on trees for them, apparently, and they can pay hundreds of millions of dollars in these taxes. The, the Warriors, prior to this year, have already spent, I believe, over $300 million just in luxury tax penalties alone. They're going to probably reach $500 million at least within two years, I would say. So you're in that group, and that's where Bezos Hive is really if you want to write a right letter now, to that guy of why yeah. he should buy the Phoenix Suns. And that is why this is so important because as a fan base, you could get someone who is very, very, they are going to get, and this is where everyone hears this and they're, they're skipping ahead because they're like, whatever, the guy's going to pay $4 billion for the team. He'll pay whatever in luxury tax penalties. No. That's not how it always works, everyone. Because you know how those people have that much money? Because they're smart with it. So when the Denver Nuggets are owned by a guy who I think, Kevin, you said is worth over $2 billion or something like that, three, four, he's a billionaire. Oh, is it, is it Crank? I don't know how to say his name. I'm not, Cronky? Is yeah, that it is exactly? Yeah, He owns the Rams, Nuggets, Avalanche, some stuff overseas. Arsenal. They traded Jermichael Green, who was a rotation caliber big. Now they're going to have to just hope for DeAndre Jordan and Zeke Naji to be their front court rotation off the bench because they traded Jermichael Green for a first round pick, but that saved them tens of millions of dollars on their luxury tax. Bill. Um, this is a. It says net worth. If my quick googling is accurate, is thirteen you know billion. So he's pretty rich. Thirteen billion. Yeah. The Boston Celtics are one of the three biggest franchises in the NBA right now. Guess what they do with the trade deadline every year? (laughs) They cut costs because they don't want to pay the bill. Now their owner has come out this year and said, now is the time. Well, we'll do it. Like we, we just made the finals. I want to make the push. But in the past, when they were think about those teams a couple years ago, they were competing for a championship. Yeah. They still cut costs. The Dallas Mavericks, could have given Jalen Brunson his bag, but then they would have joined the Clippers and, and that. And Shark Tank Cuban, boy doesn't want any of that. Smoke, Cuban said, you know? no, thank you. So sometimes... Sometimes rich people want to save money. That's what you're saying. So it's really important who their owner is, to be clear, in the timing right now. Because I believe that in order for them to keep Booker, Paul, Aiden Bridges, and Johnson together for the duration of how much longer they want to, without factoring in money, they could get someone where the money doesn't matter. Bombers just shelling it out doesn't matter they could get someone like that they could get someone who is okay like milwaukee is right now with paying 40 to 60 to 70 extra because they're they have Giannis and they're competing for a championship and all that stuff but they're not going to go insane hey we still need to make these little moves where we can we still need to pay guys probably less than they deserve right now because we need to be smart about this that's where the lakers are at right now as well just to be clear like the lakers are a luxury tax paying team right now that's where the suns are at they're in this group right now or they could be in that third group with the likes of boston with the likes of um denver denver dallas and the majority of the league to be honest like the majority of the league and look the clippers traded serge ibaka at the deadline to cut their bill too every team does that but there are certain teams that will have that type of power, and the Suns could very well land in one of those positions right now. And it is going to, I'm just going to say it out loud, this is the whole point of what I'm saying, who their owner is is going to impact their basketball decisions, not only for this crucial time in their roster construction in the era of Monty Williams and James Jones, but foreseeable future going forward. 
If they would have had Balmer instead of Sarver during the Suns during the seven seconds or less era, does that affect their chances of winning a championship? Absolutely it does. Of course it did. What? And I think the big thing that stood out to me was after the Sarver's going to sell, we had like Windhorse come on, and I don't know if it was him in Shelburne, but they were basically like, look, <coughs> some owners nowadays, like Joe Lacobe, like Steve Ballmer, they want front row seat, they attend every game, they want to be like the cool person in town, and that part of that is not putting together a crappy team, right? And just like the richest of rich status, I think. And so if you want to be the cool boy in town, and I think it was Windhorse was even like, like no one know who Joe Lacobe was, but now you do. Because mm-hmm. he's just like, oh yeah, I would love to spend lots and lots of money to basically tell my GM he doesn't have to play by the rules. Go... Right, if you want to have the most wild basketball team, go write Jeff Bezos a letter about how great Phoenix is and there's great food and culture here. You can fly to and your drone to the Bay Area if you want quickly. Is it carte blanche? Is that the term I'm thinking of where the GM basically has carte blanche? Is that what it's called? Couldn't tell you. All right. I don't know. I've heard (laughs) in movies and stuff. It's not (laughs) like it's my literal profession is knowing what words mean. It has to do with that. That's fine. English words, sir, please. Guess what I'm doing? Hmm. I'm picking all this stuff up by Mm -hmm. the wayside and I'm tossing it out of the room. We're done with all this off-court nonsense you hear. Basketball has arrived. Dallas Mavericks on Wednesday, Portland on Friday, LA on Sunday. We'll do quick cliff notes on Portland and LA just because like we said last episode, if you're just tuning in for this one, we kind of want to preview almost every Western Conference team that they come up against because any of these teams that they come up against in the first round and and so forth, you're going to want to be like, keep an eye on New Orleans and how Herb Jones is developing. Keep an eye on how Denver's second unit looks with Bones Highland. Keep an eye on how... The Reggie Jackson, John Wall dynamic of running the team works with LA. Keep an eye on how Kawhi looks, how many days off he's getting and stuff. Same way we talked about how we discussed the team differently two years ago where they're a contender now. So it's a lot more important talking about the other teams now than it was when they sucked because it didn't it didn't really matter as much. Dallas, you asked me who's starting, which is which is a really good call for two different reasons. One, they lose Jalen Brunson, as we mentioned, to the New York Knicks. You're shaking your head. It does make them a worse basketball team. I don't see how it doesn't. Dinwiddie's good, but he's still finding consistency. He's still in the... I, I don't know who to use an ex- as an example, but any endless example of guys who struggle with confidence and consistency, he's certainly still a guy in that group, and he hasn't shed it just yet. He is going to be starting in his place alongside... The uh, one of the better wing tandems in the league that doesn't have an all star Reggie Bullock and Dorian Finney Smith, JaVale McGee getting the nod at center. They are going to be bringing Christian Wood off of the bench, and then after that, okay. they signed Facundo Campazzo. Josh Green is there. That's where Maxi Kleba, who is questionable for tomorrow's game, is. That's where Davis Bertons is, who was out for that game. That's where Dwight Powell is. Uh, a big guy I want to talk about in a bit is Tim Hardaway Jr. because he's one of my favorite guys to watch in the whole league, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he works with the dynamic of this matchup, uh, specifically with the way the teams look right now. How do you evaluate them as a threat to the Suns before we get to differences from last postseason to this year? 
I, I think they're reminding me of like the Allen Iverson Sixers teams where, Whoa. yeah, <laughs> my goodness, you're calling Which, JaVale McGee, Theo Ratliff. No. Oh, I'm saying they're constructed like them. I'm not saying they're that going to be like an NBA finals team. And I mean this as a slight actually, where it's <laughs> in this day and age, it's just a lot on Luca, right? Like he's their offense. He drives and kicks. He has to score himself. He's mid range. Wait, guy. can I yeah. raise my hand for a sec? The guy who's broken down in three straight postseasons now, that guy? Yeah. Oh, that doesn't seem like a good idea. So I think they're flawed in that respect. I think like it's great. You put all these defensive guys and shooters around that talent. It makes sense to maximize everything, but it doesn't make sense to compete and go deep in the playoffs and challenge for a title. Now, I will leave this out there that like he looked pretty good over the summer playing for Slovenia. If he's in like the best shape of his life and just has the perfect doesn't get hurt is amazing. Like he could be an MVP. And if he's playing MVP level ball, but as we see with the Suns, it doesn't matter if you're MVP, you have to do it all the way to the end. So I just think that's too much for him. There's not enough support. Um, I, I see what they're doing and their defense was really surprisingly good last year, but there are just too many little things. And the red flag for me there is like, I get JaVale McGee is like Dwight Powell on steroids as a rim roller, and with Luka, that's crazy important, but Christian Wood like has to be their second best player, and I just don't know how seamless of a fit that'll be. We have a yearly tradition day before the season starts for the Suns, day of, day after, somewhere in there where we look league-wide more so. Uh, on the site that'll be up on Wednesday morning ish depending on how busy old old Kevy two shoes over there is in the morning could be more Cardinals news I think more has actually happened since we sat down it hasn't stopped it keeps going great vibes over there couldn't be more thrilled about that situation (laughs) I'm gonna stop talking about them now before I get myself in trouble I separated the West threats to the Suns or just the West in general into three tiers I believe there are the Goliaths at the top That is the Clippers and the Warriors. Then there is the, hey, if their season mostly goes right, we're talking 80th, somewhere between 70th and 90th percentile outcome, which is unlikely, but it could still happen. Outcomes for Denver, which of course just mainly comes down to people staying healthy and then how the second unit looks for them. Memphis, quietly, I don't know how, it was loud at the time, don't get me wrong, but quietly, Jaron Jackson Jr. and Dylan Brooks both shot under 38% last postseason, and it was just John Desmond Bain and looking for anyone else to help them with the scoring, and Dylan Brooks was like, I got it, don't worry. No, 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 I got no, it. no. I got it. <laughs> I don't know if Timon was the right guy to trade. I understand Dylan Brooks is awesome for Dylan Brooks reasons, like how fearless he is and the defender that he is and the swagger that he has, but Love him as a teammate, but don't take that shot. He already took three more by the time he <laughs> said that. And then the Suns, for all the reasons that we've discussed, you know, can how which of the young guys are going to develop of the three in the starting lineup? It include Book in there, there's four, the bench, duh. Then I've got four other teams where I said it in there and I stand by this that could win the West. I think the Los Angeles Lakers could win the West because guess what? Having two of the five best basketball players on the planet on your team. I don't care who's playing with them, especially when one of the two is LeBron James. If both those guys 
get back to who they were two to three years ago. I don't care who else is with them. I do care that Austin Reeves is one of them and, and a Lonnie Walker yeah. resurgence happening alongside Austin Reeves. Boy, would that be we, fun for we my We don't brand. know Darvin Ham factor. We don't know the Darvin Ham factor. He might be a great coach. New Orleans, Zion's healthy. Herb is better. Jose is better. Devontae Graham is better. Trey Murphy's better. Jackson Hayes, Najee Marshall. Dyson Daniels gets playing time better. I don't know. Probably not. You know, you know where I need supplies in a hurry? Kyra Lewis Island, but I'm still over uh. there. I'm still over there. It's been like day four. We don't have any water anymore, but I'm, I'm over there. I'm over there. Uh, and then the guy who averaged 27 and 7 when he was 19 stays healthy. That guy, I'm going to mention him one more time. I, I could see it if they could win the West. I, I'll say it out loud. Guess what, Kev? Hmm. If this Rudy Gobert thing works in Minnesota. No. No? No. You're, you're immediately? Out. Okay. What if Anthony Edwards makes first team All-NBA? Uh, see I can't rule that out you can't I rule that out can't rule that out you can't rule that out sir you can't do it and to finally get to our our wits end here whatever you want to call it that's definitely not the right way to say <laughs> it but Dallas hey this whole design a team around Luca thing with not really much help if he's the MVP of the league this team is perfectly accentuated to be carried by the MVP of the league and if he can stay healthy finally and that's the thing. People hear me say that, and I've had a couple people probably like, he doesn't like, he didn't, hasn't had like a significant, but he always gets dinged up by the end of the year, always. And he's always like kind of grimacing about something, and there's always just something bothering him in the postseason. The Clippers series in the bubble was really the start of that. But look, they could win the West because that's how, that's the levels that he could reach. That's how I feel about it. Looking at the matchup more specifically, I asked Mikel about this, and I could tell the way I phrased it, he was like, I can't tell you that, so I'm going to say something else instead. <laughs> Um, I asked him about JaVale and Christian as screeners for Luka Doncic. Very large, big men, giving him a little bit more space. JaVale, as we saw last year, great screener. He's going to set really good screens for Luka. I don't know about the Christian Wood thing. We'll kind of wait and see. That's a good difference. Do you think they'll switch? Oh, man. That's what, that's what we, I was going to mention that, and that's what we'll see. Because, of course, we were yelling. We got to our wit's end. <laughs> see? We got to our wit's end with Mikel Bridges being switched off of Luka Doncic over and over again and Chris Paul just getting switched onto whatever matchup they wanted over and over again and the Suns not uh, fighting as much to solve it. I wonder if they will change that up. They're going to switch in this game. I just don't know how much. I don't think they should at the start of the game. I think they should send a message and be like, uh-uh. No. We're not doing that anymore. Let's not let you get your first three buckets really <laughs> Let's easy. Let's have the best perimeter defender in the league on perhaps the best perimeter offensive player in the league. Let's, let's try that. Let's, let's keep that happening. Timmy, healthy? old Timmy, healthy. Timmy's healthy. Timmy looks great. All everything I read up on in the last week is that he's looking good. And Monty said it himself. Actually, when I asked about him yesterday, said he, you wouldn't look at that guy as a guy who's coming off a serious injury. The way he looks in the preseason, he looks great. Mikel, uh, miss on the screener question. Big hit for Kel on the Timmy question. He said he's that guy where if he hits two. He'll shoot the third one from anywhere. Yeah. He's one of those guys. And in the same vein of Dylan Brooks, but no one is more out of pocket <laughs> than Dylan Brooks, more contained. Your classic, I think we are missing a lot of, that's why I'm so excited about Bones in Denver. We need more microwave scores in the league. Mm-hmm. Heat check guys. We're missing a few right now. I think Lou and Jamal haven't quite been replaced just yet. I guess maybe Tyler Hero's in that vein, kind of, sort of. Clarkson tried. Clarkson He did a tried. decent job. It's 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 a high mantle to reach, and I think Timmy is up there, and I think Bones Highland is up there as well. 
Uh, and then Hardaway is just in the Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, watching him on the sidelines in Dallas last year, like sitting courtside and watching how he interacts with everyone. He just seems like the best teammate in the world and just seems super important to what they do. And I'm sure the emotional boost of just having him out there every night, he seems like really fun to play with, which again, Jamal Crawford, amazing teammate, great guy. Like he takes, he he gets to his own stuff a lot when he has the ball, but he's an amazing teammate and that, you know, it's important. And that's why Dylan Brooks, they'll cap by him till the end because they love that guy. Yeah. And he, and he's in the same vein here. Anything else kind of out there? I, I guess Dorian Finney-Smith, Reggie Bullock, Maxi Kleba, all these guys shooting 40% from three, be ready for them to hit 19 threes again, probably. Do you show anything completely different or... I honestly like they played so bad, such bad defense in that series. I don't know how much they changed in it, or if it just like, oh, hey, we're healthy, and or got our crap together. That was a miss for me again. I asked Monty if there's too much. If you can get in a spot where you're like, oh, they're gonna run the same stuff, and no, it's a new year, they're gonna run new stuff. And I was trying to kind of sort of see if he would say we're gonna not show everything, or they're not gonna show anything, but he didn't go that route. I tried. You can't really. I don't know. I guess you can do that. And to that point, I will say, if there was a game to circle early for, are they going to cover Chris full court and do the switching thing on Chris in a regular season game? I'm not really sure. But Mikel and Cam both bringing the ball up. Keep an eye on it in the first game and for the rest of the year. Obviously, how much is Chris Paul in that corner? What is he able to do from that corner in terms of an impact standpoint? Because we talk about rest for him being a good idea above everything else. It is Kevin, but it doesn't come without its downsides. Like, hey, p- potentially. I'll not say potentially the best point guard in the league when it comes to reading a defense, seeing the floor, calling things out, getting the ideal shot every possession. He's the best in the league at it. He has been for uh, 15 years now. It's not changing. That's Dallas. You're out on Portland, right? We talked about this last time. Our, our postseason or offseason review. You're out. <sighs> Tell me, sell me on Shaden Sharp being a huge piece of this, and then suddenly they have three really high octane guards. No thanks. Okay. Uh, GP2 is already out for a month. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Remember the team where we were like, can they get to seven guys? And now they're already missing one. Um, I would say for them, in terms of keeping an eye on stuff and what to watch for, I just want to see the Jeremy Grant thing. Yeah. How's that look? Is he the certified number two option, or is he more of Denver Jeremy Grant? Is he playing like Jeremy Grant? Denver, Jeremy Grant on defense in Detroit. Again, the Eric Bledsoe rule, hard to tell on really bad teams. <laughs> really hard to tell. And then, like you said, the the Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, Keon Johnson tier, can two of those guys be rotation players for them? They need two of them to be. Josh Hart's cool. Nasir Little got the bag. Congratulations to him. Um, he's He's all right. <laughs> After that. After that. That, to me especially their first game on the road, I think they're going to... If there's one of these three games to circle, I actually think it's Portland because I think they're going to smack them. I think it's going to be brutal. They love playing on the road. And you know who's going to be talking about the last time they went to Portland to open the season? Remember that? Were you there for that, Kev? Do you remember? What was that? They lost 134 to 105 in the third game of the year last year. They went to Portland. Guess who's going to be bringing that up? A whole lot. Everyone. (laughs) Just... Not just Chris Paul or Monty Williams Where's or Devin Booker. Eric Everyone. Bledsoe? Dude, I don't know. Is he on the Blazers? I don't think it matters. <laughs> I have to look it up. Clippers? 
Okay. Let me read you their, their lineup again. This is what I want to see. Okay, we got Reggie Jackson, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris, Zubach. Mm-hmm. Who is Mikel Bridges covering? Let's go down the list. He's going to have to cover Paul George. Who is Cam Johnson covering? He's going to have to guard Kawhi. Who is Devin Booker covering? Who is the option? Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, Zubach. Did Book guard Morris and he tried to post him a bunch? Is that a thing that might happen? Yeah, but that was before Kawhi Leonard existed. Yeah. Or you have to... I'd rather just put Cam Johnson on Kawhi and save Book a little bit and let them... Where, where are you saving Book? On, on Marcus Morris. initiator of the offense or the guy that they'll throw it in the post to four times a quarter? Who is Chris Morris. Paul guarding? Just He has to go to Reggie Jackson at that point. Yeah, He does have to. Correct. Uh, Zubach Aiden, enough said. I'm I'm key. That's a the gas tank. How hard are they going to go defensively? Second game of the road trip. Yeah. Sunday. How does the defense look without Jay Crowder in that instance? Boy, that mm. is. I mentioned it during the Lakers game. That is huge. And okay, Michael Scott, Paul George. All right, it's Kawhi super Torrey strong. Craig, oh, we, you got, get, we got Jay. Tory Craig, you get thirty minutes tonight. We might see a lot of Tory Craig. That's a good point. Offensively, I want to see who they put Kawhi on. That's what I want to see. Kawhi specifically is the whole dynamic of this matchup we haven't really seen. I think everyone listening has a really good idea of how this matchup looks by now because we have saw it so much in the Western Conference Finals and then also the year after that in the regular season. We saw how it changes. Did they have Kawhi in the regular season at any point when the Suns played them two years ago? I don't even remember. I don't know either. You know what's fun to say out loud if you're a Clippers fan? Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Terrence Mann, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, or Nicholas Batum. That five. Did you say John Wall yet? No. Because we're just going to stick Paul George and Kawhi Leonard on your perimeter threats, or Terrence Mann, or Powell, and then Batum or Covington. We're just going to five out you to death. Yeah. There's there's 47 different lineup combinations they have, and each one of them adds intrigue. Do they have a backup center anymore? With what the Suns do. No. They just don't have one. Yeah, that's fine. I don't need it. No. They're cool. Landry Shamit's out for Wednesday. Big opportunity for whoever gets those minutes. I'm going to guess, based on the way that Monty typically does his rotation, Damian Lee in the playoffs would get the spot. We are in the first game of the regular season, so I'm going to already assume that Damian Lee is the backup three, and this is going to be Josh Koji. Could be Dwayne Washington Jr. Should it be? Probably. I think so. Give him minutes where he can. I'm in that camp already. Where wow. if it's a toss-up, throw him in there. It's six if minutes a or whatever. could a half. just shoot two percent Or not turn the ball over when he has it. Then. That, that was he's the also thing before. The TJ Warren rule, going back to our rules. TJ Warren didn't pass to anyone. Guess what he also didn't do? Turn the ball over. Mm-hmm. Josh Koji... Not that he's an unwilling passer like TJ was, but he assists, assists and a half, two assists somewhere in there, nothing too big, but the turnovers match the assists. Even turnover, assist-to-turnover ratio, that is an issue. Make your finals pick right now, you coward. <laughs> your head just exploded. Uh, Bucks over Clippers. I, I th- I've thought about it for 14 seconds. That's what I got. 
the Clippers thing, there are a lot of smart people saying just need to see it first, and I agree oh. with them being a just need to see it first, but I think there are a lot of the, like, the I depth. think there are a lot of things that could go wrong for all of the teams in the West, to be honest. It's very volatile to me. So I'm gonna go with the team that has the two the most depth and then just the most star power. Why yeah. should I not believe Steph Curry is gonna get worse? Why should I believe he's gonna get worse? I think that team is just going to be better than last year. That doesn't mean... I don't know if the Clippers might be better, but... You're convincing me on the air right now. I think you're convincing me. Because my big... Do I care who comes out of the East? No. Here's my thing. My my big... Well, you should say it anyway, you coward. My (laughs) big worry... I think Clay is who he is at this point. I don't think this is a gradual improvement that he's going to see. That is kind of me being ignorant to the recovery process that he is going through, but I absolutely think he lost two or three steps defensively and at least a step offensively. He's still a really, really good player at this point, but to go back to the big three point, I don't think he's a big three guy anymore. I think Jordan Poole might be, and you know what? I don't think it even matters because Andrew Wiggins kind of already proved that he is one of those guys. Last postseason, he was excellent. He wasn't even just really good. He was, should we give this guy finals MVP when Steph is doing this excellent? He was phenomenal. What if Clay? it looks better from last year? Because I think he will just being a year removed from recovery. If they hit on one of these Patrick Baldwin, Ryan Rollins things, the league's screwed. Kuminga or Moody, again, one of them has to be good. I, I think it has to be Kuminga more than anyone else. And I mm-hmm. liked the returns last year. I think Draymond's going to have a really good year. If Wiseman is serviceable, that's helpful. Even if he isn't, guess we you got your Michael Green behind him. I guess Draymond just take, like just checking out is a legitimate worry, but not like... I don't know, man. I don't... Like, he's hitting the age, and his role is where that's going to be a significant loss, even if he's, like, trying and just not there. 90% of what he was last season, but I don't know. Anyway. Are they too old? No. Not what you can... Steph, 34. Clay, 32. If you can shake loose from 40 feet and shoot it, you've got some time left. Um, Steph kind of was back in his I'm the best player in the world bag last yeah. year. I'm not saying he is, but he was. You have to include me in the discussion, everyone. After a huge downfall in his shooting percentages in the second half, but then in the playoffs, he was just uh, his postseason numbers to be clear 27, 5, and 6, 46 from the field, 40 from three. 83 I, uh, from the line was weird, but. I just have to go okay. Bucks. And okay, you convinced me. I'll go. I'll go Warriors over Bucks or Bucks over Warriors. I'll flip it. Oh, okay. It's it's time Giannis runs the league. We're here. Yeah, we've I'm not arrived. Gonna, I'm just gonna pick the Bucks. We've arrived. It's it's his time now. All this John Morant, Luka Doncic stuff is cool. Joel Embiid's over there. Nikola Jokic won back to back MVPs. It's it's his turn now. He's he's pretty good. He's already won a championship, and I think he's going to win a couple more. I think it's his turn now to do the old LeBron James thing. I think that's his turn. Not the I'm the GOAT thing, but the <laughs> my league now. I think it's his turn. You know how old he is? He's probably like, is he only like 28? 20. He turns 28 in December. Yeah. He, this is his prime now. <laughs> it was two years ago. One of the best finals performances of all time. It was two years ago. He's 25. 
Crazy. I think it's his turn. We should end with the Suns based prediction before you go, but we're we've both kind of said this. Do you think they make the conference finals as currently constructed to go to our round table question on the site? You're shaking your head. No? Uh, no. I agree. If they avoided the Clippers and maybe got caught someone injured. I gave myself a bailout in my answer on the website. I said with how they look right now, but I want to see how it looks in the season. So if Mikel and Cam on the ball really opens things up and Chris is actually getting to save his legs and it still generates the best offense in the league and the defense still looks top 10. I'm not going to go top five anymore because Jay was that important, but top 10. Can you have the top 10 defense? Can you have either the best or the second best offense in the league? And are Mikel, Cam, and DeAndre all three getting to do more? That could reasonably happen. I don't think it's I don't think it's likely unlikely. It's not really in that tier, but I think it could happen for sure. It's a possibility. So I have to say that. I think they could have in-season growth to the point where they are still considered the best team in the West that they were last year. I'm not ruling it out, to be clear. We're just, has anything happened the last three months to make you uh, think otherwise? Yeah. Mikel D.A. Book. Improvement there? It's tough. Book's really good. I'm not going to say who did it, but someone did the Game 7 thing again. We didn't even ask about Game 7, and they brought up Game 7. I'm like, just like... It's <sighs> Wait, it's a player, so it's in their, their head a little. I'm not suggesting that it is, but it's you pointed that out with Monty before and made a really good point that there were a couple questions where no one even brought it up, and uh, they were bringing up Dallas. Uh, yeah. Um, Everyone, again, I said this a couple episodes ago, please... Mm-hmm. Try to mute if you want to mute um, what Luca special. You could mute that if you want to save yourself if you're a Suns fan because mm. it, it's coming. Yep. Um, there could be some other ones, but you're going to see the screenshot of him looking at Booker a million times on your timeline. ESPN released there. The NBA season started. Little caricature graphic thing. It featured eight players. All eight of them were not on the Suns. TNT was on there. LeBron was on there. Jokic was on there. The team that made the finals years ago. The team that won 64 games last year. TNT's respectfully respectfully had the Suns in the back of a bus and Luka was sitting behind them staring at them. Chris Paul had a cone on his head. Chris Paul had a cone on his head. That's a Patrick Beverly reference. Um, It's going to happen this year, folks. And it might happen for a couple more years after this. It's... They... Hey, that's what you get for having a good basketball team, though. Expectations, discourse, huzzah. Okay, you want to go watch Ernie and Chuck now while we wrap up, or you wrap up and I type words? Yeah, okay. we're here. We're here. Bye, everyone.